and mistakes immediately immediate mistakes uh hey everyone thanks for coming welcome to fair share gaming podcast number four uh with me here is my guest matt our pokemon expert of the friend group that i have and (laughs) what's up everybody our topic today is how does pokemon shining pearl and brilliant diamond compare to the originals so how are you doing today matt before we get started Pretty good. Uh, you know, lots of fun and interesting things going on around here. Uh, as you know, I uh, moved from Canada to the UK pretty recently, so I'm living in Edinburgh right now and keeping busy getting all that stuff figured out and able to squeeze in some time to play Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl when I get the chance. Um, you, Jared and I were quickly talking, um, you know, off, uh, off, off camera about um, how far we got into the game. And the only reason I'm further than he is right now is because I basically spent my entire Friday night playing instead of doing, like, any of the things I'm like to do with. So, yeah, things are good. Game's good. How about you, Jeremy? How are things over there in Canada? Oh, we're doing excellent. You know, snow's coming. Life's good. Winter's here. <laughs> All the fun <laughs> stuff with that. Bad drivers are back. They didn't... They, they returned... <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, it no. actually snowed here in Edinburgh, and uh, it, it doesn't, it, it tends not to do that generally. Um, but yeah, I was sending us some snapshots of the snow, and people are like, yeah, it's not even snowing here in Calgary yet. So, um, or like not permanently snowing. Because yeah. anyone who lives anywhere in, in the northern countries knows that there's like, you know, you'll get snowfall in like August or September, but then it'll melt and it'll go back to decent weather. But there always comes that point where the snow falls. And it stays, and then it stays until April. Yeah, of next year. Yeah, we went. Uh, <laughs> Bobby and I went hiking, and out already in Peter Lougheed, it's hip deep snow um, where we were hiking. So it was. Uh, it's it's a lot of snow has fallen out there. They they've been getting crazy, crazy amounts of snow. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sure the ski holes are all opening pretty soon if they haven't already, right? Yeah, they're already open. Um, I know that sunshine in a couple days ago, three days in a row, they got like 21 centimeters of snow. So they're, they're mm-hmm. laughing. They're enjoying life. <laughs> That's good. Honestly, good for them. Exactly. Um, now, before we get on to the topic, I got some game announcements as per usual for our podcast. So there wasn't a lot of big games coming out, but we're going to talk about a couple that were to note. Um, so one that I found interesting that I'm actually might check out for stream is War Tales, which is a is PC release on December 1st. And it's a medieval open world RPG, so I'm very interested in to see how that mm. goes. Could be interesting. Um, it that's was com- cool. It was completely off my radar, so it was uh, kind of neat to see that that's coming out. Um, Halo Infinite, the ca- and the campaign's officially launching on December eighth. As everyone knows, the beta came out a couple or about a week ago. Um, and then we have Among Us coming to console release on December 14th. So that'll be pretty interesting. I, I, I'm curious if it'll cause a resurgence of Among Us because it kind of died out there after a while but i'm curious if this release on console will bring more people back into it and and see what happens yeah you know it's funny you bring it up because i was among this was on my mind like a day or two ago just how it kind of swept the world what was that this past summer or was it last summer like 2020 that it really kind of took off i think it was it wasn't this one it was still like being hyped at this one but i think it's the one before that because i remember watching it at the game awards show uh, the, the small team that had won an award for it. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, like obviously it was huge and, and in a sense it kind of seemed like it was one of those passing fads, but like, you know, they're still adding content to the game and like, you know, you, they got this huge surge out of, of popularity out of nowhere. They dropped Among Us 2 and started working back on the old one again. And, you know, now that you, they're able to produce the fruits of that labor, the, the, the excitement has really died down. I mean, it is a great game and it's a great concept and it, it took off the way it did at the right time. So it'd be good to see it kind of make a bit of a comeback a little bit um but like i you know i think it, it, it hit that kind of peak in its popularity where like kids are buying shirts with the little spacemen on them and you know i feel like once you hit that peak there's no coming back and it's just like you're just completely losing notoriety day you know day by day at that point you know yeah yeah no totally 100 um but yeah so right into our topic here so again, the question is, how does Pokemon Shining Pearl and Brilliant Diamond compare to the originals? And I got to open up by saying, first off, they did a great job with kind of updating it, but not removing those good aspects so far in the game. Um, the graphics mm -hmm. look really nice. It's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's, I feel like it's easier to have good graphics with an art style. It's like that comic-y art style. But overall, like the graphics, they improved it upon the first one. Um, which the first game already had looked really nice in comparison to a lot of games. I'd say so. Um, yeah. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a very, very well produced game just on the first, just on visuals alone. And then you go on to the game a little bit further. I actually had a few points here that I found that they, that were quality of life improvements that I noticed in the game. And then I, I looked up some other ones that uh, were mentioned. And a few of them was first off the autosave feature, but I think every Pokemon game should have an autosave feature because I can't tell you how many times like something screwed me over and then you don't have that autosave. Um, the battles now shows type differences. I think that should be an option. I was talking about this and we'll go further into difficulty later on, but I was talking to mm -hmm. the boys about this and I was like, you know, it's I, I feel like every Pokemon game should be, have a hard mode, which is more like the originals like Fire Red. And then they should have an easier mode where it's more like kind of kind of a little more handholdy and like saying, OK, use this for this, use this for this here. <clears throat> so excuse me, go over there, come over here. I think I think, you know, but we can get more into de depth on that later. Um, mm -hmm. You can access your Pokemon PC anywhere, which is a fucking lifesaver because there's nothing worse than having to go back to your PC every single time you catch something and you're like, oh, now I need to go get it because that's the Pokemon I actually want, not the one that I currently have in here. Um, using hidden moves of the poke etch, which is excellent because like I like I hope that they can still teach the hidden moves to your Pokemon. But I mean, you know, you can't. You can. You can. Excellent. It, they just give them. They're just uh, in the list of TMs, basically. Any any situation where you're gonna get an HM. So, for example, when you go through Orber Tunnel to go from Jubilee City to Orber City, where the first gym is, um, you get the Rock Smash HM. Some random hikers just like, hey, here's a random act of kindness. Take this HM. In in this game, he just goes like. Oh, you, you you can use Rock Smash off your Pokecatch. Good for you. Have some TMs, and it's just the Rock Smash yeah. move in a TM. They don't even the HMs just aren't a thing in this game at all. They have your hidden moves, and then the HM moves themselves are not TMs. So yeah, which I think is a good improvement because there are certain moves that are HMs like Surf that are really useful yeah. moves in general. Um, but, yeah. but definitely it's nice to not have to teach like before I would used to take a Pokemon and I, that would be my HM Pokemon. I would take it. I take a Pokemon that could learn as many HMs as I could. And that's all it, that's its purpose in life <laughs> was to do things for me that way. 
Yeah, the, so the HM Slave is so iconic, like Bidoof and Bieberel specifically are like everyone's HM Slaves, and they're so iconic that with this new feature with the Pokex in the game, um, what it does is you, you just select the hidden move off your Poketch and it summons a random wild Pokemon to do it, and I don't know this for sure, because where I'm at in the game I only have two Poketch moves, but like both of them are done by a Bidoof, and I think like Surf and Rock Climb are done by Bieberl, so they like they they stayed true to the Bidoof Bieberl HM Slave scheme by making it so you just summon random wild ones to do the moves for you, which is kind of hilarious. Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> then they had the XP share, which which I I feel like that's a, that rides on two people. There's two types of players in Pokemon. You have the Pokemon players that want to like work for it and like really train Pokemon. But then there's also that nice necessity of being able to be like, well, this type actually is good against this Pokemon, so I'm just going to use it against this Pokemon. <laughs> um, and then yeah. they had the final one that I found here was the pause screen tells you where to go, which which I like that they tell you where to go, not force you in a direction. Like Sun and Moon yes. are horrible for holding your hand and like literally being like, no, 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 don't go over there. Come over here. Don't go adventure. Yeah. This is a unilateral story that you're going yeah. to go in this direction. Yeah, and when I first saw that message on my pause screen, I shuddered a little bit thinking of Sun and Moon, but like it, it stays the same for a very long time. It just tells you what your ultimate like your next goal is but it doesn't actually tell you what you specifically have to do or where you specifically have to go to get there so for example like i can't pause my game right now i didn't bring my controller with me before i tucked in under this blanket but um basically uh on my pause screen i think it says your rival went to veilstone city that's where the next gym is so that's you know all you know is that that's where you have to go it doesn't tell you that you have to like go through route, route 208 and then salacia in town and then route 210 and it doesn't tell you all the stuff you got to go through to get there which is pretty nice i'd say yeah and that's like kind of going back to that um difficulty right because that ties into the difficulty of the games as well because i mean that that is part of it finding your way through this through the map trying to figure out what is like where you're going and and all that stuff but i found i feel like difficulty and this is where i really started talking to peter and eric about it was i think they should have two difficulty modes on pokemon i and the reason i yeah. think that is because i feel like they make it too easy now like do you i i mean i think you well you'll remember this fire red the scaling for the gym and the elite four was just fucked like yeah like yeah. You were, giovanni's pokemon were level 70 something and then you hit the elite four and they just would slap you around for a while until you like take took them on like four or five times and yeah i feel like games nowadays are just it's so easy to compete in the gyms the elite four is really nothing special you can wipe them in one go if you have good pokemon and then so i feel like these games the one thing they they kind of missed out on is first off i think Di the original diamond pearl was definitely harder than this one um just <laughs> inherent difficulty oh, yeah. was harder than this one but i think having that two levels of difficulty because you're gonna have the players that are just like you know what i don't want a hard game i just want to go through just have fun whatever um, but it'd be yeah, nice for other players. Like my one of my favorite games is Fire Red. And one of the reasons I liked it so much is because it wasn't just an easy cakewalk. Like I had to actually be like, okay, you know, I'd train and then I'd go fight someone and I'd lose and I'd have to learn, okay, why did I lose? What Pokemon moves did they use to defeat me? And then kind of adapt and grow from there. And it made you better mm -hmm. for the Elite Four, right? And I think 
yeah. a lot of the new Pokemon games, including this one, kind of lose on that, and they still make it that easy hold your hand with telling you, okay, well, if you couldn't tell this, guess what? Fire moves are super effective against grass Pokemon, and then it's like, oh, if you didn't know this, this move's super effective against this, or it doesn't affect like a an, a water type Pokemon bear, doesn't affect a or really affect a, an electric type Pokemon. It's like these things are pretty common sense. I feel like. The exception yeah, being maybe like part. maybe like fairy being a bit of one where it's like unless you know that fairy is actually super effective against certain types of Pokemon, it's it's one of those ones that's not like a, a general knowledge thing, right? So yeah, I, I think that difficulty is an area that they missed out on this game because I still think it's a pretty easy cakewalk game that they made it, and I mean it might might change. I've only done one gym, right? So I can't really say that. But considering I took um <clears throat> sorry, considering I took Piplup. The, gra- the next gym for me is the grass gym, I think. And it should be a nightmare for me to make it through that gym. In theory, it should be a nightmare, but it's not going to be, right? It's not going to be. And, and yeah, that's, and that's, that's, that's an issue, right? <laughs> like, that's something that shouldn't be the case. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, thinking about some of the stuff you said, what's interesting, actually, is that, like, so, you know, original Gen 1 games and then Fire Red and Leaf Green, they were one of the more guilty parties for massive, massive level spike in uh, the games that made it, uh, that, that, like, that added this difficulty as you're going into the end game. Me, personally, I feel like a, a massive level spike doesn't necessarily equal more difficult experience. Like, obviously, it is difficult but not in the way you want it to because your pokemon are under leveled so they get outsped they get old code and you're just hopeless you have to go and you know spend ages in a cave just grinding wild pokemon until you're even decently strong enough so i did look it up and like they they did uh keep the levels the same between the original diamond and pearl and brilliant diamond shining pearl and that's interesting to me because the in my opinion the worst culprit for a massive level spike in the elite four and the champion is actually diamond and pearl uh that was one of the elite fours that i struggled with the most and it's because if i remember correctly at least when i was a kid and didn't really know like you know, more strategic ways to play the game. Like, your strongest, your highest level Pokemon is maybe level 55, um, and that's fine for the first three, even maybe the entire Elite Four, but then Cynthia's Garchomp is level 66, and you just get absolutely roasted, and then that's, you know, all of the rest of her team are in the 60s as well. So, you know, really, like, original Diamond and Pearl were one of the really, really bad ones when it comes to a massive difficulty spike, but it always makes it more rewarding when you are able to then overcome all of that and that to me is what's super interesting about the experience of playing you know these games and 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 considering what difficulty really means in pokemon is that if it's if it's just a cakewalk if if every trainer that you fight if every major boss battle in the game like a gym leader or the champion is just an absolute pass through then it's not memorable to you but someone that you had to go back to with different strategies or, or take time between each instance of fighting them to try and figure out what you have to do better that is where the the difficulty of the pokemon games can really shine right so i mean a good um, one a good one to kind of mention with that that reminds me is the do you remember the psychic gym in emerald how with the dual cladles that would just slam your day into the ground no matter what yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and again like you know like those games we were a lot younger when we played them originally and and you know one thing that you have to maybe give pokemon a bit of a benefit of the doubt for is that like 
it, it is definitely that the games get easier over time. There's absolutely no denying that. But there is also this element that when we were playing these games when we were kids, yes, the difficulty that they're trying to go for is a little bit unrefined. But then on the other side of that, you're you're a kid. You don't really know super good strategies. You've got your ace Pokemon having three or four HM moves because that's just what you did back then. But like when we go into these games now, we have a lot better idea on what strategy is. And like, you know, for myself, like around black and white going into black and white too is when I started doing competitive Pokemon battling and and that throw you know once you have a really really good understanding of what good strategy in Pokemon battling actually is you know obviously more specifically about when you're battling other humans but like just across the board when you have a better idea of like what's going to allow a Pokemon to just dominate your opponent the games get a lot easier to go through so uh, you know another interesting one is the EXP share because that's obviously something that caused a bit of controversy leading up to the game's releases you're absolutely right in that there's uh, people are just of two minds about that you've got the people that don't really care um, and then you have the people that get up in arms about it and usually those people will assume that it's not necessarily the, the the fact that they do have an all-team EXP share, it's the fact that there's no option to turn it off. And unlike Sword and Shield, you can't make the argument that the games are balanced around that because they mirrored all of the levels from the original games. So uh, I don't take exception to it because I think that the EXP all for your team paired with the access anywhere pokemon boxes basically sets up an experience where you don't necessarily have to stick to the same team of six pokemon if you don't want to yes it does tip the the balance of the game if you do that because then all of your pokemon are pretty over leveled but like I, Sword and Shield, I made this an amazing experience with raid battles and everything, and I think that they've kind of carried this on in Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl with the Grand Underground, which we'll have to talk a little bit more about because you haven't seen it just yet, Jerry. But basically, like, just being able to catch a new Pokemon that you like, sub it into your team, start getting it strong, it lets you customize the game to be flexible to your experience. So it's like, yeah, maybe you're bothered by the fact that you can't turn the EXP share off, so it's like, go into your Pokemon box and take out more Pokemon that are lower leveled, and you you have the opportunity to make the game a bit more challenging for yourself. And, you know, lots of whiny Pokemon fans will be like, well, I want the games to be challenging, I don't want to have to make it challenging. And, like, fair point, honestly, but it's like, it's either you go through the game dissatisfied with how easy it is, or you go through the game enjoying making it your own experience. You know, I've always said, in the wake of everything that happened with certain shows, I've always said that Pokemon games are where you make them, and you can fixate on, you know, a difficulty or lack thereof all you want, or you can do things to make the games more difficult for yourselves. And, like, you know, you hear about, like, Nuzlocke challenges, for example, or a really good example of that. I, I don't do Nuzlocke's personally, because I can't stand the stress uh, I can't. I, I can't play Pokemon games, planning my every move as to not lose one of my best teammates. I've never succeeded in one. Maybe I'm just bad, but uh, you know that's where I'm at with that. <laughs> well, and kind of talking because I was going to bring up the XP share anyways with this. <laughs> the only so so I had no problem with the XP share. I actually think it's it's a it's a good idea in the fact that you can use whatever Pokemon best fits the situation rather than having to be <laughs> like, well, I'm strictly here leveling up my. 
uh, Curlia, and and I want, but I but I now I'm facing like a dark Pokemon that's just gonna slap her. Well, I guess used to it. Now she has Fairy type moves. So it's a little bit different. Yeah, but Curly actually has a type advantage against a dark yeah, type. Yeah. So so originally, originally when Curly was just a psychic Pokemon, then you'd get slapped yeah. around by some dark type Pokemon. Because I remember Sableye and and Routes you caught in the same area in Emerald in the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, and uh. And Sableye was a much more common Pokemon than Routes. So when you're trying to grind out Routes there in the beginning, because you wanted more than one move in your attack repertoire with Routes, um, yeah. you'd have to beat these dark type Sableye that would just be it just. Yeah. Anyways, besides that point, that's getting off topic. Um, I think it's a good idea for that. And I think the issue that I'm seeing is, for example, Sword and Shield, it made it so that I think XP better fits drastic level scaling in gyms and and uh, and certain checkpoints in the game. The reason yeah. being is like you no longer have to grind. Like I went through Sword and Shield just using trainers and fighting whatever Pokemon I happened to run into when I was in in a in the grass somewhere or whatever. Like if I I would never run from a battle. I would always fight it no matter what. I wouldn't necessarily go looking for it though. I never did any grindy training to do it. Yes, and I yeah. found by the time I got to the end of sword and shield there was nothing stopping the party that i created right like out of cpus yeah if i faced in competitive i'm sure they would have been destroyed in seconds but like against the cpus in the game there was no hope i won like it was just it was just an easy cakewalk and that's kind of where i think they they missed out on this game or well and if i hope they kept if they kept the same level scaling then they may not have missed out on it because her you're right her parties are at the end are level 60s and that is higher than every new Pokemon game has been, I believe, um, for their Elite Four since that one. I think I, I don't yeah. don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that was that that was the case. So for this game, it might not be so bad, right? Because maybe it puts mm-hmm. you on par with her, or maybe if you did yeah. the same scaling as Fire Red again, it would put you on par with her without having to do that grindiness. I think it's about finding that happy medium where the game yeah. is difficult enough where it's like. You have this XP share, but that doesn't mean that you're just going to steamroll everyone you come across, right? And I mean, yeah. you're right. If you use proper Pokemon strategy from the competitive scene, any like high-end competitive Pokemon person could probably steamroll mm-hmm. any Pokemon games uh, gyms, regardless of the drastic level scaling or anything, because they know how to use the yeah. move advantages. They know how to use certain stat effects to boost certain moves, to do certain things. And they, they know how to do that. And they know like they know how to pick their Pokemon and their abilities to best fit what they want to do with that situation. For example, mm-hmm. you have poor Drew who had a Shinx that didn't have Intimidate, which is literally the useless <laughs> Shinx. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but but yeah so like that's where i'm kind of thinking with the you know the step up yes i think this might have been a good improvement from the old games to have that xp share but i'm hoping it's not overpowered because my pokemon are already quite high level um mm-hmm. mind you i have like i pick my party pre like playing like i have an idea of who i want in my party and whatnot and i try to cover as much ground as possible but you know there's also those pokemon mm-hmm. you just want in your party so screw the covering the grounded uh, option and just make it happen um yeah so i only so- i'm running with a zubat right now and uh and my Prinplup. so he, he evolved into Prinplup. um mm-hmm. which is i mean zubat is kind of shitty crobat's unreal but zubat's kind of like 
poo. They're, they're, they, yeah. they do a good job of that, where it's like, usually if a Pokemon's third or second evolution is super overpowered, they make the initial evolution shittier, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And when you catch Zubat that early in the game, you have to actually grind it for a while, because I don't think it evolves into Golbat until like level 24 or something yeah. like that. But Jared, I do have some good news for you. So, you know, in case anyone's wondering, like, of course, Jared and I have not made a significant amount of progress in the games between us. But, you know, we have a good bunch of friends like like Drew, who you mentioned previously, who have beat the game. And uh, I've spoken to a lot of people who beat the game and they actually said that Cynthia was still really hard. So there is still an element of challenge. And what's interesting, and and this is playing on my mind a lot for the reason that um, I I, I don't want to talk too much about this at least not right away here but um there's this uh rom hack that i played through uh right before brilliant diamond shining pro came out it's called pokemon inclement emerald it's basically a fan rom hack of pokemon emerald that brings in all pokemon up to generation seven all of the quality of life improvements um makes a couple of their own little interesting tweaks without kind of you know making it feel like you're not playing a pokemon game anymore absolutely one of the best Pokemon game playing experiences I have ever had and it really sits on my mind a lot when we're talking about the quality of these games but what I wanted the reason why that's come to my mind right now is that one thing that Inclement Emerald does almost throughout the entire game that apparently these games have also done is make it so that um when you get to the Elite Four um Starting from, I believe, either late gyms, like Gym 7, Gym 8, or the Elite 4, and going forward to, like, you can rematch gym leaders in this game, you can obviously rematch the Elite 4, and they have stronger Pokemon. Um, They make it so that all of the trainers have... um, all of their Pokemon have items, all of their Pokemon are EV trained, and I I assume all of their Pokemon probably have high IVs as well, and if you're kind of confused as to what that means, those are basically the, the, the elements that make Pokemon essentially capable of being competitive Pokemon. So instead of just like, you know, that all of the Elite Force Pokemon having like citrus berries, for example, they've got like actual competitive items that like they basically have tailored them around making them like more challenging. So it's really cool to see a Pokemon game actually invest in making um you know the actual regular Pokemon gameplay experience more challenging by giving them more than just a very limited set of items, namely like healing berries and stuff, like giving them like the life orb so you get a damage boost but you lose health every time you use an attack, or like the the choice band where you get an attack boost but you can only use one move. Like actually distributing these items to NPC characters is a really really cool thing, and it's actually great that they've done that in Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. And so, one thing that I want to talk about, Jerry, that I think is a really, really big detail when comparing the remakes to the originals, is that um, the experience of playing the Underground in Diamond and Pearl is mostly unchanged in the new games. They, they now call it the Grand Underground, and basically what they've done is they have it where there's all these little... Um, areas that you go into called Pokemon hideaways, I think they're called. And so when you go in there, you actually get um, a Pokemon encounter experience that's a little bit more in line with how uh, Sword and Shield and especially Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee did it. So everything above ground is random encounters in the grass. Everything in the ground underground in those Pokemon hideaways is like you see a Pokemon, you go, oh, I want that. And you run into it and you encounter it. So what's really interesting about that is that when you're going through these hideaways, um, 
you know, you're you're on your way to face the the Eterna City gym, and Eterna City is where you get the Explorer Kit, which means that you can actually start playing in the underground right before you do that gym battle. How it went for me is that I was actually able to put together a full team of Pokemon that had type advantages against um, the grass type um, just by going into these Pokemon hideaways. And so, you know, basically they have like rare spawns that show up. So, you know, usually most of these hideaways are going to have Pokemon that you've seen up to this point in the game. Think Geodude, Zubat, Boodoo, Krikatot. Um, but I was able to catch um, Pinsir, Houndoom, Swinub, Skorupi, and Krogunk, all in these uh, hideaways um, that I ended up using on my team, and, and more as well. Like, the Underground is really fun. They've done a really good job with it in this game, so you can actually sink a lot of time into it and kind of halt your progress in the actual game yeah. right away by going into the Underground. So in terms of your question, like, is this gym going to roast me? I really don't think it is for two reasons. Number one, you've got a significantly higher variety of Pokemon that you can catch that are likely to have type advantages against grass. And number two, any Pokemon that you encounter in the hideaways are actually way stronger than any of the, um, where you currently are in the game, any of the wild Pokemon are going to be. So for example, like Gardenia's Rose Raid is level 22. Um, you know, your average wild Pokemon is, you know, you're lucky if it's over level 10, but then when you're in these hideaways, the wild Pokemon are between level 16 and level 19. So, oh, okay. yeah, so like that gave me a, a fast track to just absolutely wipe the floor with Gardenia and, um, and yeah, so, you, you know, like you aren't, you're probably not going to find it too difficult, even though you pick the starter with the type disadvantage, because spend some time in those hideaways and you'll put together a really good team and and that's honestly great news because it kind of feeds into how much of a quality of life improvement it is to access your pc boxes remotely and all the stuff like you know one thing i enjoyed so much about sword and shield is being able to just constantly rotate pokemon into my team and it was like oh do a max raid battle catch this pokemon that i haven't gotten before i really like it i want to start using it put it in my team right away and then you know, Sword and Shield were unique in that you had resources that you could just use to level them up right away, but, like, you know, Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl doesn't have that, unfortunately, but it still really enables you to just catch these super strong Pokemon in the hideaways, add them to your team, and then just start using them basically right away. Okay. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I, I think that's that's a good thing to, like, mention, because, yeah, like we said, we're comparing the, the, the originals to now, and I think, like, because before... I think it was pretty accepted that Heart Gold did the best job of the of doing underground bases and and exploring the underground, right? And mm -hmm. Simon Pearl did a good introduction to it, and then Heart. I don't Gold know if Heart Gold Soul Silver actually had an underground. I might be wrong, but like I'm pretty sure I it don't did because they... then it had the bases as well, the secret bases. You might be thinking. I mean, I I I I only did the one playthrough of Soul Silver way back when it came out, so I don't know this for sure. But like, I don't think they did any underground stuff in that game. Uh, I think the underground, uh, obviously, up until these games that we're talking about, was just Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum when they did that. I'm gonna double check my facts <laughs> here. But yeah, like, I think so far, like, I have been really enjoying the experience of playing this game. Like, it's hard to give it an overwhelmingly positive review because, and Jared and I also had a bit of a conversation about this off camera, like, 
you know, I'm in a kind of interesting phase in my life right now. And, you know, I, I kind of was projecting a lot of frustrations onto my experience with the game because, you know, I was really having a really hard time finding time to play. And, um, you know, anyone who knows me well knows that, like, when Sword and Shield came out, I took the whole weekend off work so I could play and all that. And so, like, you know, I had a hard time with the game at first. Um, but, you know, now that I've had a little bit more time to play, I'm actually really, really enjoying it. And, um, and yeah, I, I'm kind of craving to, to play it a little bit more. But one thing that's kind of interesting, and it doesn't necessarily relate to the question of how do they compare to the original Diamond and Pearl, is that, like, um, I see a lot more holes in this game. It's interesting that this is the first mainline Pokemon game that actually wasn't developed by Game Freak, because there's been a lot more bugs and glitches that have come out with this game that people have been documenting and noticing some really interesting ones. Like you can soft lock yourself in the seventh gym to the point where they actually had to introduce a um, save backup feature so that if that happens, you can go back to a previous save game. No Pokemon games done that up until now. Um, there are some glitches where you can clip into walls and you can actually abuse that glitch to get Shaman who usually you have to get a special item that opens up a path that takes you to Shaman's area, but um, you can basically do what I did as a kid and, and action replay your game so that you can walk across water and go over there, which is kind of hilarious. Um, so there is a mild lack of polish to these games that frustrates me a little bit, and, and you see it every time. It's really small things, and I don't want to go into detail about it because it is a little bit nitpicky, and I, and I, I try to avoid that type of behavior with with Pokemon, but, like, I wouldn't take such issue with it if it wasn't, like, things that are really consistent parts of the game. So, like, I guess one example I would give is that, like, every time, you know, you get a trainer has a little exclamation point pop up above their head, the camera zooms in onto your character as that trainer walks up, they talk to you, they say their piece, the dialogue box disappears, game fades to black, fades back out with you in, like, the normal camera position that it was in before they enter in it, like, before they encountered you, and then it does the battle faded stuff, and that's such a nonsensical transition to me, because it's like, why wouldn't you just immediately transition into the battle from there, right, and so it's, it's a small detail, it's nitpicky, it's almost unnecessary to bring it up, but it does bother me a little bit, because it's like, you know, why, you know, how, how, how did you miss that detail when you were working on the games, right? Is would be my kind of argument. So, yeah, and, and I um, think that's like, I feel like that's what you get. When, I mean, it's not what you get, but that's what happens when you start to kind of branch out to different um, developers, right? Like when you get other people developing your game, you risk that where it's like you have a specific yeah. quality control that you maintain versus what they maintain on their team or or it's just like experience right like it's pure experience yeah. using the same style of game so repeatedly um, yeah yeah so i mean yeah i see, I see. okay it's so I, was wrong. I, I, I will admit this i was wrong i swear it was heart gold that had secret bases but i was incorrect that is uh, what were you thinking of i i think it was just Diamond and Pearl, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, because there are bases in Diamond and Pearl. They, they changed it a little bit with this one. So I, as far as I know, I, I can't say this for like 100%, but basically original Diamond and Pearl basically made the underground secret bases 
kind of the same experience as Gen 3 secret bases where you could buy decorations and you could make the space your own and then there's this whole flag stealing mini game that the underground had that people really liked and so they don't have any of that in the new ones here they have they have secret bases but the secret base mechanic now excuse me is meant to play into the pokemon hideaways thing so basically what happens is that you go into the underground you dig into walls and every once in a while you'll uncover this box and the box will have a type symbol on it and what will happen is that the box will open up and you'll get a statue of a pokemon of that type and you decorate your secret base with these statues and what happens is that um so for example like i i i spent so much time in the underground after i unlocked it to the point where i got a salamence statue and a garchomp statue and because that means that the majority of my statues are dragon type i actually get a boost to dragon type pokemon encounters in the pokemon hideaways um so the mechanics are they changed the mechanics a little bit just to tie into the newer stuff that they've done in the underground um you know the, the grand underground is kind of cool because they they made a few changes without necessarily breaking away from what really made the underground experience in the original games and they've that's where they've been able to take the avenue of adding some new and interesting features but did you play much in the underground in the original diamond and pearl jerry yeah i i i really enjoyed it um i spent a decent amount of time doing like decorations and stuff like that but it was mm -hmm. more like just like i feel like i, I kind of see what you're saying where it's like the underground or like the just in general it was more just finding like uh fossils and stuff like that was like the biggest thing with the underground they yeah had, like little yeah. mini game where you could like dig out the fossil essentially and yeah yeah like I, I just like it a lot because they kept what made the original underground fundamentally very enjoyable they took away very little but they added a lot and you know on the topic of difficulty i had an experience last night that i'm still still really bitter about where basically i went into a hideaway and without going into too much detail they have this new mechanic in the underground where um if enough people are playing at one time because you know remember you can do the underground online now if enough people are playing at one time and they all do things and this gauge fills up you have like a couple minutes where like more rare pokemon will appear their shiny rate is boosted and if you're digging into the underground you'll get more rare items and so i went into a hideaway during one of these events and there's an onyx and i hadn't encountered an onyx yet in the game and so I, I gotta quickly look this up just to double check. Uh, hopefully, this won't take too long. But basically, this Onyx, I was trying to catch it, and I didn't fill out my I didn't fill out my um my bag with enough uh like Pokeballs, which ended up being the death of me. But basically, the Onyx had the ability Rockhead, which is one of its regular abilities. It turns out I was looking up to see if it's its hidden ability or not. But basically, um, it had Rockhead, which means that it doesn't take any recoil damage um, when it uses a move like Takedown, Double Edge, for example. And it had one of its Egg moves, which is another feature for the Underground, is that there's, you know, they have a chance of having their um, Egg moves as well as their normal moveset. So this Onyx had Head Smash, which is um, <laughs> yeah. five, 5 PP, 80 Accuracy, Base power 150, which makes it one of the highest base power moves in the game, other than, like, max moves, Z moves, and explosion. But the Onyx wasn't taking any recoil damage from it. So, as I was trying to catch it, it swept my entire team, no joke, to the point where I blacked out and had to go back to a Pokemon Center. <laughs> so, like, 
So it was unfortunate because if I had like literally just a great ball in my bag, I might have caught it. But like, you know, there are still situations that I was that you can run into in the game where you're overwhelmed and and you lose. And the hideaways actually presents a lot of difficulty in terms of Pokemon battles because you want these strong Pokemon. They're all really high levels in most circumstances. Like they they scale up the levels every time you beat a gym. Um, uh, yeah, every time you beat a gym, they scale up all the levels higher, and, um, that means that, um, if you just beat a gym and then immediately go back into the Grand Underground, the Pokemon that you encounter are higher level than your entire team, and so that's what happened. I had this Onyx, stronger than anybody I had in my party, just wiped out my whole team, and you're trying to catch it, too, because you want it, so it's such a bitch to catch, it was so frustrating, um... But, uh, but yeah, so, like, the, the Underground has really added a lot to the experience of playing the game, and, you know, I think that that is, is the most major in terms of, like, things that they've done to improve the experience overall, because all of the quality of life upgrades are huge, because they reverse a big downside of playing Diamond and Pearl, so think HM moves, think no remote boxes that kind of stuff, like, that's the stuff that made Diamond and Pearl an absolute slog to play through, but I think, to me, the, the biggest improvement to the Diamond and Pearl experience in these remakes is the ground under, the Grand Underground, for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and that's something to know, right? Because that's actually part of the game that people really enjoy. It's such a small thing mm -hmm. in the game, but it's something that it's nice they added more to it, because there yeah. was a point in Diamond and Pearl where it kind of became like, it was fun for a while and you're just like, ah, I don't need to go back. I'm good. I've settled. I've got what I want. I'm I'm good to go. You got your fossil, yeah. so you got your fossil Pokemon and then you were just kind of moving on from there. So it's nice that they have something different there and they're still incorporating that multiplayer aspect of it, that online aspect, which reminds me, I still have to join your guys' um, team or group that you guys have for the PC uh, or for you know you guys you can create go into the pokemon center and then you can go upstairs and there's like your group that you can make or whatever yeah i, I don't know exactly how that works i actually been meaning to ask some of the guys that i was playing with because you know like like drew and a lot of the, the like our friends um they've just absolutely blasted through the game they've all beaten it at this point and so they were playing a lot together but like i don't know if this group system is like a new mechanic for online stuff i'm actually not too sure but um you know yeah we're obviously a little bit behind but um you know the the, the online functionality does add a lot to the games especially when you consider that diamond and pearl were the first pokemon games to actually have any online functionality but it was restricted basically just to battling and using the gts um which i hate to admit it i it, it's a shame there's no gts in this game jerry oh <laughs> um there there wasn't one in sword and shield either and the reason is that they do it through pokemon home now which is bleh. i don't think you have to have a subscription for pokemon home to transfer pokemon that's what kind of yeah. gets me it's more of like a they made a money grab system for us for a system that shouldn't be a money grab system. It's like, it's one of those things where you should just be able to transfer Pokemon. We're in a time period where, you know, people are buying your games and playing them. That should be enough where you can just let Pokemon yeah. go. Cause it's not like they add anything to Pokemon home that is like super crazy that you like, besides the transferring from game to game, right? Yeah, not at all. And, and it's a huge shame cause it is one of the more, 
it's one of the aspects of like what Pokemon's doing right now that is very easy to criticize. And my opinion is that they should make it part of a greater subscription. So, for example, if you have Nintendo Switch Online, you can access Pokemon Home. That's a bit... It wouldn't work like that at all because Pokemon Home just like how Pokemon is kind of working as a company right now, Pokemon Home is meant to represent more than just what you can do on a Nintendo platform, right? Like, you can send Pokemon from Pokemon Go to Pokemon Home, for example. So, it makes sense that they wouldn't do that, but, like, you pay 20 bucks a year for Pokemon Home, and, like, I'm fine with paying that because I'm an absolute slave to the machine, but, like, it, it's... It, yeah, it's not good. It, it's, it's hard to think about, and it's even more shameful when it actually results in features being cut from games, and, you know, yeah, like, Brilliant Diamond Shining Pro is a really egregious example of that because literally the GTS it was introduced in those games, and to me, it was one of the most nostalgic things because when I was a kid, it, it took me a really long time before I was able to get like the little Wi-Fi adapter that you needed to be able to do all that stuff. And it was very nostalgic. So like the, the GTS theme, if you remember it, that like the, the music that plays when you're doing all that stuff, like will just live in my heart and soul forever, basically. Um, so yeah, so I've got, I've got a question for you, Jared, because I think this is kind of interesting. Um, so if you think back at like the previous three Pokemon remakes that we've gotten so far, I think the more specific one that I want to focus on is Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Because basically, um, the first three sets of Pokemon remakes um, all essentially aims to bring back the experience of playing that original game, but upgrade it to the gameplay experience of the newer games. So, for example, you know, Generation 6 um, still had the grid-based gameplay, but they made it so that you can move in any direction. They, they, they were the first games on the 3DS, so they were kind of a big leap in terms of how the technology is for Pokemon games. So then when they did Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, they, like, upgraded the experience um to match that, right? So then when you think about Generation 8, think about Sword and Shield, I think the reason why people had so much excitement for these Diamond and Pearl remakes originally is because of the potential behind it, because people had so much excitement for Sword and Shield because of the potential that comes with putting Pokemon games on a home console instead of the usual handheld. So my question for you is, how, like, does it disappoint you that we didn't get to do the same thing with Generation 4 where they made the Generation 4 game, where they could have made the Generation 4 games like Sword and Shield and just brought in all the elements and stuff that made Gen 4 really unique? Like, would you have wanted a game that just is a huge upgrade um, to the Diamond and Pearl experience as opposed to what we got where you get this one remake which is super, super on the line and, and, and keeps things as, as faithful as possible and then you have this other game that's coming out in a few months that's meant to take all of that experimenting and new age stuff that they would have done and put it all in their own games. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. I, I see what you're saying. You're like, you're, you're seeing if I essentially wanted like a Pokemon Shield game style for the Diamond and Pearl remakes versus like a standard um, like upgrade just to graphics and a bit of gameplay. Um, like you're, you're talking uh, yeah, about essentially. essentially, essentially make it a new game that just follows the same story, roughly. Yeah, in a sense, like it's hard to compare it to any of the previous remakes because even as in Gen Six is when they first started breaking out of that kind of grid gameplay style. Um, like Sword and Shield are so different 
as far as a gameplay experience goes than Diamond and Pearl and the games from that era, right? Where it's like, you know, you've got your little chibi head characters and you're going one of four directions and everything. And then like Sword and Shield are new, they're 3D, you can walk anywhere, all of this stuff. Like, you know, you, you, you it, I never really thought about this until I saw like a concept video that someone had made where they're like, oh, like, imagine if they made a Stino remake that was meant to be like, you know, like living up to the potential of like what Sword and Shield could have been, for example. It's like, dang, like it, I, I'm happy with what we got. I really like the approach that they did where they kind of split the remakes into two games. It, it shows that they recognize that people have a lot of love for Generation 4 and that they wanted to really take that on, a, a, on an adventure, I guess. But like, it is kind of interesting, like what we got and how different it is to what people kind of expected we would get when you think about what they've done with remakes up until now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and for me, like I'm, so I, I feel like I didn't mind sword and shield. It wasn't mm -hmm. my favorite Pokemon that I played. There were aspects of it that I really enjoyed. Um, for sure. Um, like, I don't mind that it's not a grid play, but the grid play also never bugged me, right? Like, I, I, I really yeah. didn't mind it being a grid play because that's just what I associated with Pokemon. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't really something that I, when I when I heard them and when they announced Sword and Shield, it wasn't something that I was like, man, I hope they get rid of the grid play that I've been using, right? Like, yeah. So, so for me, it's like, I, 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 I'm kind of happy they didn't make it exactly like Sword and Shield because I still found Sword and Shield... First off, I still found it a little bit handholdy. They did have a, a little more freedom where it's like you could go do what you want. But it was like it was very blatantly where they had the one character the that would always go around and be like, no, this way, like do this um, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Like the overall games, like I, I would have also not necessarily been um, opposed to it. Right. Like I wouldn't have necessarily mm -hmm. been like, oh, I'm not going to play Diamond and Pearl because they made it almost identical in play style to to um sword and shield but i am happy with the way they did it i personally like i like that kind of top downy gameplay for pokemon i'm not a big fan of the of the way like the camera angle and sword and shield and stuff like that so i'm pretty happy that yeah. they, they didn't do that and, and the only reason i say that is it's I feel like for maybe when they do their open world one, because they are coming out with their open world Pokemon game, I feel like yeah. that play style would fit that better. But I think for the design of like a Pokemon, a standard Pokemon game, I don't think that play, that style is necessarily best suited for it. Um, yeah, good point. So like to me, I kind of liked, I kind of like what they did. I like how they improved on the graphics, but kept the overall like play style the same of the game. Um, again, yeah. there, there's points where it's the having, you can tell the game, like the, the layout was meant for a grid design gameplay. Cause sometimes you're like walking and you just get fucking caught up on a tree at an angle and you're just like, okay, this is stupid. And then it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's something so small, right. But it's, it's <laughs> something that's enough that it kind of, uh, frustrates you. And, and so like for, for this sake, I, I think they did a good job in the direction they went with it so far that I've played. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think I would have made it exactly like Sword and Shield. I would have taken. I, I like how they kind of took the wild area aspect and, like you said, added it to the underground, which is kind of neat. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I think that's a neat idea. I like that they went back to the random encounters because I found the way they did in Sword and Shield with the Pokemon above ground, it didn't really make sense with how the percent 
uh, spawn rates worked. Like if you looked up a Pokemon, it's like, oh, in this area, it's like a 20% spawn rate in like, let's, yeah. say, let's say all weathers. Like for argument, so let's say it spawned in that way for all weathers. It didn't really, it didn't really like work that way all the time. Right. Like it, yeah. it, uh, there's times where I was looking for a Pokemon that was like a 50% spawn rate, but I, I had, I waited like days before it finally showed up in the wild area for me, even after like battling. Whereas like in these games, those percentages actually mean something. Like if you have a, you know, if you encounter so many Pokemon, you're going to encounter this Pokemon, right? Yeah, yeah, and, I agree. And I, yeah. Think, I think that's a better way, if they're going to use a percent system, that's a better way to do it. Otherwise, they have mm -hmm. to figure out a better system to fit that gameplay style. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, like overall, I, I like how they went about it. I wouldn't have done the Sword and Shield, but the Sword and Shield, I think for their open world game will be a better gameplay for that. Because it just yeah, makes I sense agree. for an open world game to be that kind of direction because they're making it more like uh, Joel and chat here said it's it's more Breath of the Wild um, style. Right. And I think I think yeah. if they're going to go with an open world game. They should go more of a Breath of the Wild style of gameplay because your standard grid gameplay is not going to be great. Like, could, could you imagine an open world gameplay where you're just literally walking in like this? You're top down. I mean, there are open worlds. Don't get me wrong. There's open worlds that you do top down. But I feel like in the way of Pokemon, it'd be weird to play like a Pokemon game that's open world, has no structure, and you're just like running around this grid. Right? So Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I like I when I think about like what it was like to like go through the wild area in Sword Shield, for example, like free range of movement, massive area to explore, like you know, like what Joel said about like the making like Breath of the Wild, like that is exactly exactly what people were asking for is a Pokemon Breath of the Wild and Legends Arceus is very on the nose, like that's exactly what we're looking to do, and and I respect that a lot, and I think it's going to be a good game for the most part. Um, it just, yeah, I just remember, like, someone had just done, like, a, a hypothetical concept of what, like, Gen 4 remakes would look like if they kind of united these two formats that they're going for. And and I almost felt like we were missing out a little bit, but overall, I'm grateful for what we've got, and I'm really appreciative of the the way that they're trying to innovate a bit more with, with Pokemon games. And so when we think about Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl, like, you know... Gen four, I think, for a lot of people is when they re when when fans really started to say like, okay, like they are they are figuring this stuff out, like they are producing really enjoyable, high quality Pokemon games that are shedding flaws the more and more generations they do. So I like that they made this really faithful, um, like remake experience because like I think you know I think if they didn't do that, you'd have a lot of people still trying to like get copies of Diamond and Pearl to this day more than any other. All classic Pokemon game, I'd say. And so, I like that they did this. I like that Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are, like, kind of the way they are for the most part. I'm excited to play more of it. Um, I think my ultimate answer to the question kind of goes without saying. I, I think that, like, you know, it, it's hard not to give this answer. I would be, I would definitely want to hear the thoughts of someone who really don't think that Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are better than the originals because really, like, Diamond and Pearl are great examples of, of games that have, like, a massive, massive quality gameplay experience, but then are saddled with how archaic a lot of the functions were in the games back then. So, like, HMs were a massive complaint of anybody that plays through those games. And, like, I I replayed Platinum last year, and, and I really, really enjoyed it. Platinum is, you know, an amazing Pokemon game, by far one of the best. Um, 
but uh the hms just saddled the experience so badly and like and like it, it just makes so much about it really inconvenient and frustrating like you know walking out into a new area you know you know hopping over some hurdles going a decent way and then realizing that you didn't bring a pokemon that has an hm move that you need to carry on so it's like oh i either teach one of my pokemon that i actually use um an hm move potentially get rid of a move that's really good uh and then if i want to get rid of that move later i have to fly here to go to a move deleter and then i maybe have to fly over here and go to a move reminder to get my previous one back like the quality of life like like basically making diamond and pearl with generation 8's quality of life improvements is one of the perfect games and they didn't nail it exactly because if you remember like sword and shield they made it where in the Pokemon Center, there's someone that you talk to to rename your Pokemon, remember old moves, delete moves. They put it all in one place, and that was extremely convenient and a massive, massive quality of life change. They actually reversed all of that with this game. They, they, they still have, there's still some echoes of that, but like, I think in the interest of making it basically exactly like the original games you still have to fly to one city for a move deleter another city for a move reminder you actually still have to give the move, move move reminder heart scales like you used to like way back when but you only have to do it 10 times before they start doing it for free which i'm like ah, I, I like it and i don't like it i mean so so yeah like what i really would have looked for is for them to carry through wholly all of the quality of life improvements from Sword and Shield, and that even includes stuff like the EXP candies, for example, because, you know, it's fantastic that I can catch a new Pokemon and immediately sub them into my team and start using them, but the EXP candies actually enabled you to use that new Pokemon and have it be at the level that some of your other Pokemon are already at, instead of having to go through a bunch of battles for them to gradually level up and get there. Uh, it, it's never been a huge problem so far, like, for example, um, you know, I, I have Shining Pearl. You can't get a Skull Fossil in Shining Pearl. I had one of my brilliant diamond friends trade one to me. And so I went to the the museum in Orenboro City, uh, revived the fossil. It comes out at level 1 in this game, which they didn't do in Diamond and Pearl. as level 20 in those games. Yeah. So now I've got this Pokemon that even now, it's it's my Kranidos. It's in my party. It's level 14. The rest of my team are like level 24, right? And like... I'm, it's going to take a while for Kranidos to get up to a level that I can actually start using it, as opposed to sending him out of the front of my party and then switching him immediately, or just keeping him on the bench so he could just soak up that extra EXP, you know? Yeah. So, like, they missed the mark a little bit, but overall, they absolutely improved on the Diamond and Pearl experience. Graphically, it's a great game. They kept the features that are really good and even went so far as to expand on them by making them better. And then not to mention, they also just added those those little extra features that people are just looking for to be a standard in Pokemon games. So, like, once you get to Heartthrone City and you visit Amity Square, which in the original games is where you could bring specific Pokemon and, like, walk around the park with them. Once you go there in this game, you unlock the ability to have your Pokemon walk around with you everywhere. And it's not a game changer. It's great that they acknowledge that fans really wanted that feature to return to these get to, to the Pokemon games. Um, and it is actually... It just puts a little smile on your face when you just pick a Pokemon and have them just walk behind you. And it depends a bit on the Pokemon. Like, I started with uh, Turtwig, and Grottle is really slow. So when you run with it behind you, he, like, trails off. And then he, like, has to, like... Boom 
mm-hmm. and then it just keeps happening. But like Monferno, for example, will just run around right behind you, so you really feel like you just have your Pokemon like with you, and I think that's really cool. So, you know, definitely the answer that anyone was looking for is going to be that I think that they are better than the original by a huge margin, despite having some issues. Game's really good. Yeah. What about you, Jerry? No, and I kind of agree with that. Joel made a comment here. He's just like, new Pokemon players won't know the HM slave struggle. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's totally true. But I don't know if I'd, I'd wish that on, <laughs> on someone to no, know the slave no. struggle. But like, <laughs> overall, with like our question, I agree with you. Like, I think that Pokemon Shining Pearl and Brilliant Diamond were a big improvement on the originals. Like, without losing the great things that the originals had. Like, I feel like that's the mm-hmm. issue nowadays with remakes is like, does it, does it still meet that nostalgia people remember? Yeah. More, right. Cause that is an important factor yeah. when you do a remake is remakes make their money off of people who are nostalgic of that game and new players who never played that game. So you need to cater to two groups of people, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's important. I think they did a great job in here. And I agree with you. It's like, there's certain things they could have added and, and merged in. Like, I agree, the move to leader and stuff, that should all be part of the PC. And it should always, you shouldn't have to pay, for, you shouldn't have to do anything for it. It should just be something that you yeah. can do. Because it's not something that actually impacts the gameplay at all, really. Like, changing just a move- inconvenience. Yeah, like changing a move is not something you need to, you need to have a difficulty for like that's something that you should just be able to do um yeah so i i i think that's kind of dumb to make us do that still but overall like from what i've seen the graphics are better the the move the combat looks nice to watch like it's it's better than it was in the old games i have one complaint my mm-hmm. print flip for peck whacks the person with their hand and i'm like that's not peck that doesn't make any fucking yeah. sense whatsoever but it bugged yeah. me for like the first like 10 times i used it and now i don't notice it but it's just like you know whatever it's, shit happens yeah but yeah I, I just i think overall yeah i think the game's an improvement i'm excited to see if they do do more remakes like this right like i'm interested to see if they you know, jump back and do switch remakes of uh, let's go fire red and do switch remake. I mean, I know fire red was already a remake technically of the, of the originals, but it'd be nice to see like an updated version of that and, and, and see how it scales, see how your new leveling system works with it. So, so yeah, yeah. to answer the question, yeah, hundred percent, it is definitely an improvement on the original games and I look forward to, to beating the rest of it. Like I'm, I'm really excited to play the rest of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, go for it, sorry. Uh, you know, and just on a grander scale, it, 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 it's always going to really fascinate me to see where Pokemon kind of takes it from here because it, it, it's just so fascinating to me. Like, you mean, you know, everyone knows how much I love Pokemon, right? And, like, how, how kind of attached it is to me. But, like, there's so much about, you know, like, you think about games that have, like, universally really positive dialogue and games that never really go through, like, kind of bad times or dark times, you know, I I, I almost prefer the way that Pokemon always has room to improve what they're doing, because it really allows you to see, like, how they're going to step up and improve their games and and what that's going to look like. And so every time they come out with these new games, especially the, the, you know, like these Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, and then Legends Arceus, you know, coming out, like basically, I think two, actually, it's like two months today or something. It's like, it's coming. It's coming like soon. Like, it's just really cool to see like how they look at this massive, massive player base and 
think about their requests and, and look into the games that they produced and, and think about what made the experience good or what made the experience bad and, and kind of, you know, innovate on making them better, right? So I think a big example of this is that, like, you think about how Sun and Moon and Sword and Shield kind of did away with the grid-based movements and they made them a little bit more open. Sword and Shield, of course, had this big open-world element to it. Um, and then you start to hear people say that they miss the way that the games used to be when it was back to that little grid-based movement. And then all of a sudden now we have a game that's brought that back. And, and it's it's really good to know that while they are innovating and doing new stuff, they're also not afraid to bring back old stuff that's done really well. And I think for me, like going from having just played Pokemon Inclement Emerald, which, you know, despite being a ROM hack, like, a lot of the time when you're playing the game, it looks like you're playing Pokemon Emerald, right? So most of the fundamental features of playing Pokemon Emerald are still there. So between those past two games, it's like, I, I, it's renewed my appreciation for kind of the old-school, top-down, chibi-head, grid-based movement a little bit, because there's a lot of charm to that and that's really where pokemon started right so even we like with legends Arceus, even though they're going to make it so you can fly through the sky on your pokemon and have this big open landscape and do all this really cool and really impressive stuff it, it's been really nice to kind of step back a little bit and just appreciate the way that the games used to be and it's always nice to just have pokemon games that are just a downright fun and, and pleasant experience to go through you know yeah one well, and, and I, without stepping too much into this, because this could be a whole other topic altogether, talking about <laughs> the open world part, Pokemon. I, I I know Evan made a good point a while back, and I kind of agree with him because we've had an issue with open world games being empty. And I'm really yeah. hoping because I'm actually really excited for this Pokemon game being open world. I'm just hoping they don't purely rely on catching Pokemon in the wild to fill the world. Right. But that but yeah. again, that's, that could be a topic we could go into depth on in like another hour of, of, of talking about it. So yeah. to, to, stay on, to yeah. stay on track with it. <laughs> yeah, no, like overall. So we're both coming to the conclusion that overall this game is indeed an improvement on the originals um, without losing yeah. the originals brought. Absolutely. And like there are, you know, this game's a lot like Swiss cheese. It's overall a great product, but there's lots of holes in it. And, um, you know, when when you're answering, I have to say, like, not not to not to offer any criticism to like the way that we've approached doing this podcast, Jerry. But like, when you ask the question, are these games better than Diamond and Pearl? You know, it's it's very it's very easy to answer with yes. But when you kind of then consider, are these games better than Pokemon Platinum? That's actually really interesting because what I realized and even like, you know, I'm trying not to spoil too much for myself, but like, for example, when I was looking it up to see if they kept all of the Elite Four levels the same in the remakes, I realized that like Elite Four Flint, the guy who's a fire type user actually goes back to using his diamond and pearl team and you 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 know i care about this a lot because i remember this literally fully details okay here, here we go so flint's team in pokemon platinum fire type elite four pokemon platinum uses houndoom flareon infernape magmortar and one other fire type right in diamond and pearl the original games that he came out in fire type elite four member he uses infernape rapidash Felix, Driftblim, and Lopunny. Because the original Gen 4 had no Fire-type Pokemon in it at all. I don't know how that 
on like fell through, but like literally the only like fire type Pokemon that they introduced, like brand new Pokemon, not like evolutions or anything that they introduced in Gen Four, were Chimchar, Mumperno, and Infernape. So it's like you know they've they've remade the Sinnoh experience, but they kept it so on the line of what Diamond and Pearl were that in some ways they've neglected to. Um, actually bring in a lot of the ways that Platinum made it so much of a better experience. On the other hand, they did kind of walk the line between Diamond and Pearl and Platinum when it comes to the Pokemon, because, like, you know, I, I told you about how I caught a Swinub, for example. Swinub was never in the Diamond and Pearl Pokedex, because the idea was that, like, you know, maybe you transfer a Pillow Swine from your Generation 3 games, maybe that Pillow Swine knows ancient power, you level it up, it evolves into a Mammoth Swine, and you're like, oh my god, I didn't know this was a thing! Um... When they came out with Platinum, they they expanded the Pokedex to include all of those secret extra evolutions that they did in, in Diamond and Pearl, because they're not a secret anymore. Um, and so in these in these remakes, they didn't do that, but um, they still made it so you can catch those Pokemon and experience that. So so credit to them. Um, but you know what I mean? Like like no, like, it's, it's it's definitely a hard line to. That's why I said more of a comparison to the originals because because yeah. realistically being better. It, yes, I mean of course most new games are better than old games. Like in general, they mm. are just like graphics are better. Like you know, yeah, fluidity is better. Sound is usually better. Everything kind of like topples. But when you get down to the actual gameplay, it's hard to say one game's better than the other. Inherently, it's more like how what areas did they improve on it? What areas didn't they improve on it? And and if yeah. there's more areas they improved on it, then you can arguably say that overall it's a better game than the originals. And that's kind of how you want to approach something like this. Um, <laughs> but 100%. I see exactly what you're saying. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting right to the end here of our podcast. Um, so if we have any, any, final, any final thoughts on this question? Uh, I'm excited to keep playing. Um, you know, like, I don't really know, like, if there's many more surprises in store than what we've seen in our playthrough so far and what we know is coming down the pipeline for these games. Um, but it's just, it's a great time to be a Pokemon fan. Um, like these games a lot. I've been really enjoying playing them and, and you know, like with this kind of new life experience that I've been having, I'm still trying to like sneak in times to play, which is kind of funny how that works. Like I spent most of my day working on like kind of a, a, like a freelance project that I'm doing, but I had a few minutes between finishing that project for the day and then doing this podcast with you. So of course I pulled out my switch and tried to get a little, just an inch further in the game. And it's nice, you know, you, you like to have games that keep bringing you back and um, you know, it, it's just good to be a Pokemon fan, you know. It, it, you hate, I hate the fan base. I honestly do. I hate how much people complain about Pokemon games. And but overall, overall, I like playing this new game, and that's probably where I should stop talking. I will be here for another hour. <laughs> yes, no, I, I really appreciate it. You'll, you'll actually, if you like toxic communities, you'll, you might like one of our podcast uh, topics coming up that uh, Joel's actually going to be helping us out with as a guest, uh, oh. guest on. We're going to be doing one on like the essentially the most toxic communities and what makes them toxic and stuff like that. So yeah, you might you yeah. might want to tune in for that one for uh, for watching. But but yeah, no, I, I I appreciate you coming on for the podcast, Matt. Um, appreciate you having me with poking with Pokemon. And don't worry, I'm sure as soon as RCS comes out, we'll have you back on for more Pokemon podcast talk to figure out some more stuff that they've done and what they uh, what they hopefully is a good game, which is. 
uh, <laughs> again, hopefully. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks everyone for coming and watching. Uh, we, uh, we had a decent viewership today, so very excellent. Very good. Thanks for coming. And we will talk to you guys next time. I might be on a little bit later doing a little bit more streaming for some Apex, but uh, I'll let you know. All right. Thanks for coming. See you guys later and uh, have a good Sunday. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.